The long stalemate at the legislative yuan is broken at last. Premier Su Zhenchang was finally able to give his administrative report on Friday after being thwarted by KMT lawmakers 12 times. His report was originally scheduled for September 22nd, but it was pushed back again and again by lawmakers protesting the opening of borders to U.S. pork. This time around, DPP lawmakers formed a human shield around the premier so that he could deliver the report. The KMT made one last-ditch effort to block the report by tossing pig entrails at the podium. KMT legislators blast air horns and shout in protest. Premier Su Chang makes his way to the podium with DPP lawmakers surrounding him to form a protective barrier. To keep Sue from proceeding, KMT lawmakers suddenly pulled out buckets of pig entrails. Pig hearts and pig intestines flew through the air. Some landed on the podium, others hit lawmakers who surrounded Sue. Jiayi native DPP lawmaker Wang Meihui had enough and began throwing the innards back at the KMT. I grew up in the south and later came to Taipei. I didn't think they'd do such a thing. I don't think it's right. That's food. Don't chuck it around like that. As Pan Green and Pan Blue lawmakers squared off and the legislature fell into chaos, Premier Su kept his composure and delivered the shortest administrative report in history at only five minutes. We face severe oppression from China, which is arrogant and unreasonable. Several years ago, the Chinese Communist Party classified me as a first-rate war criminal, but I'm not concerned or afraid. I must protect the health of Taiwanese. With the KMT shouting in opposition, Su finally delivered his report after being boycotted 12 times, the most in legislative history. The KMT says Taiwan should issue a dedicated commodity code for U.S. pork that contains rectopamine. When imported goods are brought into the country, they all carry a commodity code that determines how they'll be inspected at the border and distributed later on. In a news conference Friday, KMT officials said despite the government adding dozens of new commodity codes for use on American pork, none of them indicates the presence of rectopamine. The KMT has come out swinging against the executive yuan's five-point plan on regulating U.S. pork imports, calling it a five-point scam. It is a pack of lies. What people wanted was a commodity classification code that identifies whether the product contains rectopamine. But in the end, the government has unveiled a set of commodity classification codes that have nothing at all to do with rectopamine. When we started importing U.S. beef, we didn't have codes that indicated the presence of rectopamine. Having them is not feasible. We can't add new codes based on the additives in the product. Internationally, this is simply not done. It could also come under suspicion for violating World Trade Organization rules. Opposition lawmakers took issue with what they say is a loophole in overseas slaughterhouse inspections. Currently, there are a total of 53 companies authorized to import meat. No new inspections will be conducted on those companies. That's not to mention our concerns with the inspection protocol itself. Everything from how withdrawal periods will be 
negotiated to rules on hog slaughter and hog rearing, none of it is spelled out clearly. I think that our approach has always been source control, product tracking, and mid-market inspection. I think the Executive UN and the Ministry of Health and Welfare will get these steps down to a T. Basically, the Executive UN has already set its tone on this issue. As for our negotiations with the U.S., they will continue on issues of economics and trade. The health minister said once again that U.S. pork is safe to eat. Amid food safety qualms, the ruling party is taking a cautious tack as it proceeds with lifting the ban. It's also calling on the KMT to end its boycott at the legislature so it can get back to the business of government supervision. Health officials have reported 14 new imported cases of COVID-19, the most in a single day since April 19th. One was a Taiwanese returning from work in the U.S. The other 13 were migrant workers from Indonesia. Of those 13, 12 had arrived on the same flight on November 12th. The Central Epidemic Command Center was asked whether the infections had occurred during the flight or prior to the flight's departure from Indonesia. Officials said they wouldn't be able to give an answer until further testing. Zebrafish could hold the key to curing cystic fibrosis. Using induced pluripotent stem cells from humans, a team at National Yangming University was able to make a tiny cell model of a lung that's afflicted with cystic fibrosis. Researchers were able to transplant that miniature organ into live zebrafish. These zebrafish models can be used to study the mechanisms of cystic fibrosis and to develop new therapeutic approaches. Researchers say zebrafish could potentially be used to study other genetic diseases that still don't have a cure. The Taiwan-India Business Association is launching a lecture series designed to bring Indian talent and Taiwanese companies together. While many Taiwanese businesses are attempting to reach out to India's burgeoning economy, cultural and linguistic barriers can cause hiccups. But international students can help the two countries forge stronger ties. I know people have so many questions about job, but here I just want to say a positive example. I have been recently graduated from Chauta. Taiwan's former ambassador to India, Wang Wenqi, hosted this exchange seminar, bringing scholars and business representatives together. I think this is the first time ever that the ministry is hosting an event like this, especially for the Indian students and companies who are interested in going to India and maybe in want of Indian talents. It's been a delight to see so many Indian students now coming and exploring Taiwan. Think that Taiwan is a land of opportunity for Indian students. With an area of more than 3.2 million square kilometers, India could fit 91 Taiwans inside. Its population is 1.36 billion strong, the world's second most populous country after China. In 2003, Goldman Sachs christened India one of the key emerging forces in the world economy. And the firm predicted India's GDP would surpass Japan to become the third largest in the world by 2033. It is not only a prized economic partner for businesses worldwide, it's now attracting Taiwanese investors. But linguistic and cultural barriers sometimes cause challenges. The Taiwan-India Business Association wants to bring Indian talent and Taiwanese companies together. It plans a regular lecture series open to Indian students in Taiwan. I believe that this uh, bilateral communication would be beneficial to both Taiwan and 
India. I think for that we, we have some people already starting his study, Menosh study in Taiwan, and he brought a lot of uh, idea business into India at the beginning. The association hopes Indian students will gain a pathway into Taiwanese business and perhaps go straight into employment here after graduating, serving as bridges between the two nations. The Central Epidemic Command Center's new fall and winter program to prevent the spread of COVID-19 will come into effect next Tuesday. The main change is that face masks will be mandatory in lots of indoor situations that can be enforced with fines of up to 150,000 NT. But the details are quite complicated. Let's look at what the new rules will entail. A small group of friends meet up to sing karaoke. Starting in December, they'll have to wear masks inside the venue, and big groups are discouraged. But glasses wearers will be familiar with the dilemma. Even speaking loudly under a mask mists your glasses up in no time. For singing, it's hard to breathe properly. With your close circle, you can take the mask off. There are new rules around swimming, too. The fall and winter program stipulates that you must put your mask on when you climb out of the pool or while warming up. As our reporter discovered, that means carefully drying your hands at the poolside. Picking up a mask with wet hands can be quite a performance. Saunas and steam rooms are very enclosed spaces, but they're exempt from masks for now. Masks will be de rigueur in gyms, but wearing one while working out on a machine like this can hamper your breathing. This is a demo of how not to do it. This could be dangerous. Instead, you should briefly take the mask off. But when you've stepped away from the machine and got your breath back, don't forget to put your mask back on. Hair salons are another venue where masks must be worn under the fall and winter program, but that's not necessarily very convenient. The CECC thinks masks should be mandatory for staff and customers in hair salons while they're in such close contact. But scissors can easily catch on mask strings. The rules have been relaxed a little, so customers can take the mask off for a moment while hair is washed to stop it getting wet. The coverage of the mask can also be a bit skimpier. But the CECC says you should try not to talk while your mask is off. For the first time, Taiwan is participating in the annual Melbourne Fringe Festival that's currently underway in Australia. This alternative art festival went virtual this year due to the pandemic. Working with Taiwan's representative office in Sydney, the Ministry of Culture organized a program of wacky performance art productions tailor-made for the virtual stage. Our reporter Stephanie Yang has more. The magician asked me to think of a movie. Through a series of questions, the magician was able to guess the movie I had just thought of. And then there's this trick. The magician guesses the card I chose. It's 
<laughs> this is a magic show called Transhumanism Affair, performed by Taiwanese artist Shan Chou in association with Chen Yudian and Wang Wei. The production features hypnosis, illusion, and body manipulation. It's one of three productions in the festival showcase Fringe Focus Taiwan. I want people to experience how, even if we're in a different time and space, we can still have interactions and connections through this work. We hope to allow the audience to engage using their smartphones to have a different kind of interaction through a screen. This time at the Australian Fringe Festival, what's interesting is that we can interact with the screen, so I can make use of a great deal of my research. Another Taiwanese production at the Fringe Festival is a contemporary dance piece, Something About Skin, choreographed and performed by Li Zhongxuan and Zhang Jianhao. It's a 30-minute live stream featuring the perspective of a moving camera attached to a robot vacuum. I feel that the viewing angle of this piece is very important. We use a robot vacuum as a medium. The camera is set on the robot, offering a view into how the dancer interacts with space. Through this different perspective, you can see the onstage performers in a way you normally wouldn't. I personally really like how we use the sound of Taiwanese temple fairs and parades in the piece. The purpose is to celebrate together and to drive away bad things. Our hope is to convey that to our audience. I want to share actually my personal story. Taiwan is also represented by the production Isoland Bar Cloud. In this work, guests can join artists from Taiwan for a digital drink date. Visitors may also get a tarot reading, be guided in meditation, or discuss deep personal truths over a cocktail. We created a festival that is happening online, that's happening in lots of really innovative ways as well, on the telephone, via text message, um, with home-delivered art, I wanted to make sure that we included some amazing um, contemporary artists from Taiwan, uh, which I think is um, uh, the home of some of our most interesting artists. Um, and we came up with the idea of fringe-focused Taiwan. Do you use a show for online, for digital platform? So that's the challenge between me and then Taiwanese artists. It's probably like one of the first time that the audience can interact online with the artists in mini chats. So when the um, audience is giving feedback while they're watching the performance, the artists could interact with them. So this is almost like you're watching a show while the artist is sitting next to you. This is Taiwan's first year participating in the Melbourne Fringe Festival, which runs until November 29th. So far, the reception has been warm. Michelle Tang, the marketing campaign manager of Fringe Focus Taiwan, says that two of the shows have made it to the festival's top ten. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Wang Yanchen in Taipei. The seasonal winds are upon us, and the Central Weather Bureau says we can expect cold nights over the next few days, especially in northern Taiwan, with isolated downpours in northeastern regions. In the second half of next week, the mercury will dip again with chances of rain in the north. Those in southern Taiwan should brace for wide temperature fluctuations between day and night. Rising from this bright red Korean rice cake, a warm steam fills the air. With temperatures dropping, this warm treat is a welcome respite. As seasonal winds blow in from the northeast, 
the mercury is falling in northern Taiwan. On Friday, it sank by as much as 7 degrees Celsius, and it's set to get colder over the weekend and next Monday. During the weekend and into Monday, because of the impact of the northeasterly winds, we will see lows of 16 to 19 degrees Celsius island-wide in the early morning and at night. In open areas along the coastline, it may get even colder. In terms of the weather in northern and eastern Taiwan, we may see some rain. This is our first major cold front since the start of autumn. The Weather Bureau says the effect of the seasonal winds in northern and eastern parts of the country may bring heavy rain. Temps are expected to stay below 20 degrees Celsius across Taiwan. The coming seven days are set to be cold and damp, really driving home that winter has arrived. The weather will be milder in central and southern Taiwan, but there will be a noticeable difference in daytime and nighttime temperatures. Over the coming three days, it's going to be a bit colder throughout, but by Tuesday, things will start to warm up a bit. However, on Thursday and Friday, there will be a small drop again, but the extent of the swing in temperatures won't be too large. Overall, the farther north you go, the chillier it will be. The closer you get to central and southern Taiwan, the more you'll notice big day-night temperature swings. The next week may trend chillier in most parts of Taiwan, so remember to bundle up when heading outdoors.